On this week's full-time roundup, Emory Ball is here to stay. Everton keep climbing after their point deduction, and Chelsea forgot there was a game on Wednesday. All of this and much, much more. Full-time roundup starts right now. Hello, beautiful people. As Pat McAfee says, um, we are back for another midweek prediction slash recap show. Um, you know, the Premier League bl- blessed us with a slate midweek, and it was, let's just say it didn't disappoint. There were goals everywhere, drama, so many storylines to draw from. Plus, we had some DFB Polkai as well as some Copa del Rey action as well that we will cover, and a little bit of Air de VC midweek action as well. So, um, this is the start of a hectic, hectic December and January. And uh, we're going to be here the entire time giving you our thoughts and recapping these games. So, stay tuned because this is when the Premier League and all the other leagues start to heat up here. So, first of all, Matthew, my co host, how are you doing? Well, Daniel, uh, glad to see. Unlike your idol that you mentioned, Pat McAfee, that you're wearing some wearing some clothing. Uh, can't understand how that gentleman gets away with that. That's neither here nor there. Uh, but you mentioned uh, you don't the like the white theater. No, I'll 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 get dressed every now and then, uh, especially tough. if I'm going to be on. T- I know life is tough, but you mentioned uh, life not being tough in the sense that we'll have so much to watch, which is you know of course one of the best times of the year. The fe- festive fixtures are upon us, Daniel, just weeks away. Uh, of course, weather is getting colder, nights are getting longer, and it's just one of those times of the year that gets exciting. And and thankfully, there is plenty of football to watch nowadays. And uh, we had a great midweek Premier League lineup, um, and as well as you mentioned, some of those other games. And there really were some games that stood out to me. And of course, um, we'll have to talk about one in particular that I was pretty upset about yesterday, but we'll get there eventually. Can't wait to dive into that one. I was uh, chuckling to myself that entire time. But... First game on the docket is the first game of the week. Arsenal versus Luton. 4-3 Arsenal in the 97th minute of stoppage time. Wow. Luton hung in there. Um, any any thoughts here? Luton did hang in there. You know, we've been hearing about how Arsenal, this, that's, that's what championship teams do. They grind out wins like this and, um, let me tell you, folks, Luton are at the bottom of the table, not the bottom, bottom, the bottom three, though. And yes, there is definitely a valid point where you got to win these types of games. But you're looking more at teams like Crystal Palace against that, you know, or or West Ham or, or Chelsea. You know, yeah, or Chelsea. <laughs> and but when you're talking about Luton, if you're a title team, you should win this game easily. And um, of course, Declan Rice comes through and, and absolutely saves the day at the end there for Arsenal. Um, but, you know, again, you're looking at a team that that battles and finds a way. Uh, too many goals given up. I think there's been a lot of talk about, um, you know, David Ryan and, and a lot of those goals were on him and, and continues to be a, a thorn in, in Mikel Arteta's side, the way that that's been handled. But um, they get three points and, and you kind of move on. And, of course, now they sit atop the table uh, pretty clear, um, you know, five points, I believe, against – or four points had Liverpool and six points against City. So you have to feel pretty good if you're an Arsenal fan, but there's some things you have to clean up for sure. Yeah, can't agree more. And um, I remember an eerily similar type of, of season um, from, you know, my dear Liverpool. We, we you know, 
had, I think, at the end of the season, probably like five to seven, maybe even double digits times where we, you know, fought back an extra time and won. So, I mean, also Liverpool drew Luton not so long ago. So I think everyone just goes, lads, it's, it's Luton here. But, I mean, they've shown a lot of fight. Uh, if they stay up with the budget they've had, that manager in my eyes should 100% get manager of the year. Um, but I've just been so impressed. I mean, I think it's really too that comes down to it is that atmosphere, right? That stadium is not easy to play against. It is right in your face. The fans are right there. It's very intimate, very loud. Um, and it's going to be really interesting. We will preview later, but City do go there. Uh, and, and it's going to be really interesting to see if there's anything or it's a similar type of game uh, that we saw against Arsenal. But I did want to say, you know, you mentioned that Rice goal. Man, he's been one of the signings of the season, worth every single penny, one of the few that is worth over $100 million. You know, you kind of scratch your head at some of those flops that we've seen in, in recent history. But he has been, at I, I would think, the crux of Arsenal, you know, taking that next step up and maybe they won't actually bottle it this season. So, you know, congrats to Mikel Arteta and his men. Um, but they probably should, you know, kind of work on that where they're not putting that scenario every single week. But do you think Luton survives? I don't, uh, unfortunately, especially since, and we'll talk about it later um, on the show, you know, Everton continue to kind of gain some momentum with, even without, you know the ten points that they lost, and now and now Luton are back in the bottom three. So um, I think it's tough. It depends on how bad Forest get, um, but you're really looking now at the bottom three that are going to stay there. From my perspective, it's it's going to be really tough for them. And they had some opportunities, like you said, especially in this game and and other games as well to get some points. And um, you really need those points when you're a bottom table team. And I just don't think they get it. Yeah, that's fair. And kind of returning to probably the the game of the midweek uh, slate here. Um, Villa versus City. That is 14 straight home wins for Villa. Um, four matches without a win for Manchester City. Uh, what Were you kind of surprised by this result or kind of what, what were you thinking when, when you were watching this? I mean, we've talked about how good Villa are this year. Um, Unai Emery's, you know, clearly one of the better managers in the league. And, and we saw that um, even in, in Spanish league, what he did with the yellow submarine at Villarreal was, was fantastic too. After his time at Arsenal, you wonder what that, what happened with that Arsenal stint when he was, when he was there, whether that was management or he just couldn't get the right players in. And, and that was a weird time for Arsenal as well um, with, with a lot of turnover there. So, you know, yes, I'm surprised that City continue to to not play up to City standards, but I also, you know, I'm not, I'm a little worried, but not too worried as they were in the same place last year. They they kind of spotted Arsenal six points or five points at this point in the season, I think it was, and they still found a way. Is it the same team as last year? I don't think so, but I still think they're okay. And again, Villa going to Villa is a tough place. You mentioned the 14 straight wins. So not an easy place to go and play. Any road game in the Premier League, as we just alluded to with Arsenal going to Luton, is a tough place. Add that that they're a really good, a good squad in form. Um, it was a it was always going to be a tough ask. Yeah, and is you know, how how far can can Arsenal and, and Liverpool and and you know co get ahead or kind of scrap it out with City before they kind of go on their run? 
uh, in, in January on in 2024, that's kind of when city, I feel like start really purring and, and turn it on. And that's when they'll probably get healthy as well. So definitely going to be interesting to look back at these conversations once, uh, you know, once how many, how many points can they drop Daniel though? Like what's to you, what's the maximum at this point that city can, can kind of spot the rest of the league. I mean, we all know what they can do. You mentioned their runs, but like, are they going to continue that? Is that, is that just the norm for city or can that run out at some point? And they definitely could. Uh, it's really, they do have a thin squad. I will say they have the thinnest squad. I think they've ever had under pep. Um, now is the quality in the squad. Fantastic. Yes. But um, it's going to be really interesting. The coaches have now kind of figured out how to play against Pep. And, you know, I mean, Villa went out there next, too. It wasn't any sitting back counterattack football. It was – they were dominating the game in the second half. And credit to Villa Park. Man, those those fans were loud as hell. And they, they were wanting Villa to go for the kill. They were not satisfied with the point, which is really good to see. And you mentioned about Emery with with Arsenal. I actually did some research on this, and from kind of the vibe I got was that Emery paired with with a really good technical director has a lot of say in the player personnel, and I don't think he got that at, at Arsenal. I don't think Arsenal were willing to hand over all the reins to him. And, I mean, he, he came in there and has completely taken over almost player personnel, and you see the likes of Musa Diaby, Tillemans, Pot Torres, just to name a few that have come into the squad and have completely elevated these guys. And now they're in fourth place. And not to pat myself on the back, I did predict them to be in fourth. Third. They are third place. Or third. Third. Sorry. But top four was like my safe bet. And I think they are, uh, I think they're well ahead of that. And they do have a match against City at Villa Park. Could they make it 15? We'll let you know later on in the show. Um, but man, Douglas Louise, ex City player turned it on and he hit the he hit the post late too to make it even more of a convincing win but there's been a lot of rumors about arsenal and and other good teams kind of scouting him and his price tag keeps going up kind of like he might have that rice price tag by the end of the season i could see it yeah i would say the one difference between rice last year and and a team like villa no no discredit to West Ham of course they've had you know years where they were a dominant team as well but Villa Villa are a notoriously you know big squad in in, in English football so um, if if Unai Emery can get that squad up to par on the pitch I don't know if they start selling players to be honest of course unless someone comes and offers ridiculous money but uh, again just for historical context Villa is and was one of those big clubs throughout the yeah. course of English history. So keep an eye on that. And it's a great story, uh, especially if, if Unai Emery can turn it around and continue building on the success. Maybe they go to Europe and, and get something done next year as well. But uh, another manager, Daniel, just to kind of take it to a game that happened today on Thursday um, that is kind of coming in. And you mentioned Unai Emery having a lot of control over the players, of course, is Ange Postacoglu, who who's come in and, and really turned things around at Spurs, at least at the start of the season. But it seems like this this style that Ange wants to play with the the high press and um, you know that high line is starting to get tested as as they go down and and have a, a I don't know if you want to call it a a disappointing loss um, but they lose to West Ham after going up one nil in the first half. Yeah, we we called this out. You know, after big wins, kind of or big ties, at least like an emotional game. 
usually sometimes there is a little fallback to earth the next game, and we kind of saw this take place. Now, they did go up early with a Kuti Romero goal. Good to have him back for sure um, to help that back line. But, you know, West Ham did come up with some answers. It seems like those signings from that West Ham did with Kudus, um, you know, uh, Alvarez, and James Ward-Prowse. James Ward-Prowse. What a guy. Let me tell you something. How does this guy only play for Southampton and now West Ham, Daniel? I, I don't understand. I, I don't he's, get it. He doesn't get criminally underrated. to England either. Criminally underrated. He is. And he's one of those players that you'll look back probably in 10 years and be like, man, he should have got a lot more plaudits. He carried, you know, that Southampton team for a long time. And uh, I feel like the big teams did scout him. But for some reason, there's just this thing with him. And he seems like a good bloke, as they say. Um, in England, and I, I, I don't really understand his leadership. He, he's got it all, so I don't really don't really understand. But I feel like West Ham was a, a decent club. He finally gets that European football itch. I'm sure he's wanted, and it is an absolute atrocity how how Southgate refuses to you know call Calvin Phillips up over him, who gets zero minutes even when everybody's injured. So I, I think that's pretty shameful from Southgate. But uh, as long as our show. Are giving him credit. I think that's really yeah, all that matters. That's all that matters. That's exactly. All that matters. <laughs> but, he's uh, listening, of course, after a big win, and, and he's going to get all the flowers he gets from us. And um, I do want to ask you, though, as well, like, where do you think Spurs fall now that we've seen kind of what this style is and how Big Ange wants to play? And, and of course, it's still early in his tenure in the Premier League, but he's been very adamant and vocal about not wanting to change his style if he is that way. Um, where, where do, because we're going to see more games like this for Spurs in the future, if they continue to play this way, if he doesn't change, where do they end up on the table and just how good is this team at this point, especially, you know, of course, factor in all the injuries that we've, we've talked about. Well, happen I happened to take actually a good look at this table, um, before and they're in fifth now with 27 points and I'm going to name the team. They just played West Ham at ninth. There's three points separating them from ninth right now so you got behind them united newcastle brighton and west ham now to be fair man united is just united you never know what you're going to get newcastle are really banged up which we'll talk about in a second and then brighton as well still play pretty football but they are injuries injury prone as well right now so i you know i mentioned how this next you know upcoming month or two is going to be pivotal for the premier league and how it shakes out um, it, it's really up to Tottenham, Newcastle, and Brighton to kind of dog it out, and then you never know what's going to happen with United. I could say they could easily end up in eighth place by January. Now, I'm not saying that will happen. I still think Ange is a great coach, and they'll figure it out. And if they can get you know sure up that back line, they'll probably be okay. We're also forgetting you know you can make signings in January, so. It depends on who really goes and gets players in the January market as well. So they, it's not out of the realm of possibility that the darlings to start the season could kind of fall back down to earth. But either way, I think Spurs fans should just be excited for the project. Because this is a project. Let's not forget. You just sold your best player this summer. Um, so I do think they need some investment. And I think they will go invest in January and that could help them out. But it's not out of the realm of possibility to think they could keep falling down. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think, you know, I think I saw a stat recently, and maybe this 
factored in today as well. I don't know if it accounted for it. They've dropped 14 points from leading position this year. And and so they go out and we saw it again. We saw it against City. We saw it today where they get that opening goal. And then they continue that same style. Not that, you know, you don't have to play 45 minutes defensive football like they used to do. I think that would drive people crazy, especially just not the way Ange is or what he wants to do. But I think you have to make adjustments during the game. You have to kill off. 15, 20 minute sections of a game defensively and, and change your style. Uh, you know, they were up one nil and they were still showing, I think it was every player on, on the midfield line for Tottenham. Like, you know, that's got to change at some point and, and he'll learn. I think he'll have to learn or if he doesn't, it's going to be either a short lived tenure, uh, which was a lot of fun, but um, you know, there's a balance and I think he's just got to find that. And I, I do think he will. Um, it's, you know, he seems like he's got his head on the shoulders and, and willing to learn and adapt a little bit, but still wants to play his style similar to what, you know, uh, Marcelo Bielsa, although maybe not a great example since he's not in the league anymore, but, um, you know, same, similar type of thinking let's, I want to focus on my style. Um, and, but let's also be a little bit more adaptive and, and there's other guys, Daniel, that are doing it right now as well in, in the league. Um, uh, you know, Ariola. At, at Bournemouth, his style is absolutely clicking for that squad right now, and they continue to move up the table. They they've been, you know, one of the nicer stories. Of course, they're still towards the bottom in 15th, but it's a squad that at the beginning of the season um, you were not expecting to do this this well, especially given when he came in and took over. Yeah, I was hoping that they would do well in the first, you know, couple months was rough, but it seems like the ideas and the belief in his style of play has kind of really set in. And I mean, Tyler Adams hasn't even played a single minute of football yet, which is one of their biggest signings in the offseason. And he'll be back in February. So, I mean, Dom Solanke, you know, ex Chelsea, ex Liverpool player, has scored, I think, eight or nine goals on the season. He's going to hit double digits more than likely. And they have some really good pieces there. I always have loved Philip Billing in that heart of the midfield. Um, so I, I do see them skyrocket up to more mid table by the end of January. Now I could be very wrong on that, but it seems like they're trending in an upwards trajectory and the teams around them are trending down. Um, so I, I am feeling pretty good about where Bournemouth are at and uh, it seems like their manager is kind of gained confidence in his players and they're playing the ball that he, he really wants to now to, to kind of talk about a new manager, Chris Wilder took over Sheffield United. Um, first game back, was a little bit worried, um, just just based off you know the new manager bounce. And Sheffield, credit to them, they did play well. They they did lose two 0 but it was one 0 all the way up to the last you know almost the last kick of the game. But this these are kind of the teams that Liverpool sometimes trip over, right? And you know Trent was cheeked up on that sideline and, and had a, a nice little assist to, to verge. But then you did see, you know, Joel Matip more than likely, um, you know, end his season and probably his career with Liverpool as he's a free agent in the off season. And that really sucks. Um, he's been a great steward of the club for eight years. Now you got him on a free from Schalke. One of the more underrated signings I think we've had, uh, I think him and, you know, James Milner could be a shout there. But, hey, uh, we have Gerald Kwanzaa. We have Joe Gomez. Um, we have Ibrahim Kanate. So I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool look in, in January now for, for a center back. But uh, I think we're going to be okay. And, uh, you know, the Wilder type of Sheffield did look better. But, you know, 
set pieces continue to haunt them and that's been their their main issue and you know what do they do concede another set piece and it could have been more so do you have any comments on this match yeah of course we we wish joel matip a speedy recovery it was confirmed he he ruptured his acl after the match Ruptured so such an aggressive term. i know it really yeah. is but uh you you wish him the best of course you mentioned his his um service to the club i'm not a huge fan but I, you know you recognize um players of that quality and, and respect them at that level so uh yeah he was a great great steward for the game uh for your team and hopefully he can come back and um probably not play at liverpool but uh, it, you know, it'd be interesting to just see where he lands. And, um, you know, uh, it's it's one of those things, short period of time, but uh, definitely Sheffield looked much better under uh, Chris Wilder, looked like the old Sheffield that they were. Uh, and so that'll be interesting. Of course, they've been in the Premier League a, a few seasons prior to their demotion. Um, and, and of course, uh, you know, Higginbot or um, Higginbottom. Uh, yep, Higginbottom uh, brought them up. But, uh, you know, Chris Wilder was a beloved steward. Speaking of stewards of the club, they they loved him there as the fans and weren't really ready to see him get fired when he did. So uh, good to see him back, and it'll be interesting if they can get that manager bounce to see what happens for them going forward. But it'll be tough regardless to stay up this season. Yeah, and I don't see it. I think they're going to be dead last in, in the Premier League. And, I mean, you can't really even blame Higginbottom. Um, I mean, they gave him absolutely nothing to work with in the summer. So... I I I'm sh sure he's going to get a pretty good championship job when all this all shakes out. Um, but speaking of another team that uh, you know we got playing, plenty. We had plenty. Better Unlike football. Bottom, we have plenty. I know the team that's playing better football um, this week was was Man U versus Chelsea, and boy did they you know release a little hurting on Chelsea completely. I think it was almost thirty shots on target, and XG of almost three to four. What a dismal display by your Blues. Please share us some insights on this game. That was childish football. That's what that was. Uh, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I talked about we needed we needed to be consistent and set a standard after Man City. Of course, we, we then went out and laid a, a goose egg against Newcastle and then come back with a win against Brighton. That was half-hearted performance and somehow found three points. It's inconsistency with this squad. You kind of expect it from a young squad – a little bit um but at some point they need to grow up and they need to be consistent they need to find form they need to find a, a set of standards that they want to live up to poach has a huge task ahead of him uh this is this is by no means a small small job he cannot find 11 he can't find one guy no he can't find 10 guys he can find one guy who knows what he's doing and feels comfortable and that's tiago silva because he's done it for 50 years uh, he cannot, other than Tiago, he cannot find a player that he can trust and that he knows what he's going to get in week out, week in, week out at that position. And, and it's a really tough place to be a manager when you're trying to put a lineup together like that. You know, it just, it didn't look right. Um, the, the team couldn't pass the ball out of the back. Basically, I would say 60% of the game was Robert Sanchez passing to Tiago Silva, who would pass it across to DeCessi, who would pass it back to Robert Sanchez, and then he would boot it to the halfway line, and United would win the second header, and then come and attack. Hence why they had 30 shots. And so, you know, of course, United are United, and they gave up an opportunity, so we, we went into the half square. 
Um, but that was that that game was pitiful from start to finish and um, from a from a Chelsea perspective. And uh, they just need to be better. I mean, there's really no other way of putting it. Uh, Manchester United looked like a Champions League squad again. And that's all you need to say. I mean, Ch- Chelsea made Man United, who we all have been talking about and bashing and saying how awful they are. They made them look like superstars. And, and that there really is nothing else that I can say about Chelsea other than that, because that really should sum it up for, for everyone else. United, we can talk about United and the way that they kind of came out of things. But um, from a Chelsea perspective, that was really disappointing. Is this a bury the tape kind of game and just, you know, move on? Or do you, even I don't think any game is bury the tape for the squad, to be honest. They're, they're not at a point where they have a way of playing or, that they can say we this is what we can revert back to. So I think it's all a learning opportunity for them. I hope it is because that was you know there there were moments where you know it just looked disconnected. You could see how how much separation was between Cole Palmer and Enzo from the from the defense. And so finally at one point Cole Palmer comes back on the goal kick and and gives them an out and it they moved up the field a little bit. You know, Caicedo was a little bit lost in in kind of where his positioning was. So it's a lot of a lot of technical things that the manager needs needs to discuss with the team. And of course in a festive fixture right now, you're not going to get much practice time. So nope. um, it's going to be an interesting, dis- you know, the development here in the next couple of weeks for Chelsea, who just looked, you know, looked abysmal. Yeah, there was two kind of points I kind of had in my head. Number one was that report about Tin Hag and, and the, I guess, technically false reports came out. Don't think that could have came at a better time. It seemed like they played with some fire. Funny how that works, right? Right, yeah. So nothing like getting your squad motivated after some bullshit reports come out like that. So, you know, they, they seemed like they were ready to play for their manager, and, and boy, do they did. Now, the one thing I will say before we move on is I was looking at that Chelsea lineup, and you got, you know, almost $100 million, maybe plus, with Cassiedo. You got Enzo Fernandez, who you spent probably the same five. Yep. And then you have Cole Palmer as your midfield. And you're telling me you cannot control the midfield against McTominay, Amrabat, and who else? Oh, Bruno. That is that is pretty sorry. So, uh, yeah. And, it's, and you mentioned it earlier with, with Declan Rice, of course, right? Money money well spent for every penny. And, and it's true. And I talked to somebody about this the other day, a friend of mine. We, we, we paid for the future at a premium. Versus yeah. what those players were actually probably valued at and should have been valued at. Declan Rice has been around the block when he got, you know, transferred for a hundred million. He's he's been at West Ham. He played for England. He he played in Europe. He had multiple seasons at West Ham. It wasn't like he was an unknown youngster. And to pay a hundred and five million dollars for, hundred and five million pounds maybe or it was either way. For for Caicedo, who had one good season at, at Brighton. Granted, it was a great season, but that's still he's still 20, you know, 21, 22 years old, trying to figure it out. Enzo Fernandez, nobody knew about until the World Cup, which he was playing alongside the greatest player of all time. So, you know, it, it just didn't it doesn't add up the way that we position the squad. And there's, you know, that's that's down to a lot of factors, management and and the ownership not knowing and, and a whole host of things that we don't have time for tonight. But um, Chelsea needs to get right and they need to figure it out fast because um, it's it, these players need to develop and they need to deliver what they've pay, been paid to deliver. Otherwise, this is going to be a problem for a very, very long time with the contracts that they've signed up for. Yep. And just a real quick, we just wanted to kind of hit you guys with a, a manager carousel here. Deitch ball, 
Nellis a huge 3-0 win against Newcastle today. Newcastle are banged up, but Everton, since those FFP charges, have seems like they just started trying, to be honest. And Deitch has Deitch balls in, in full effect, so that's good to see. I, I do think they'll survive if things keep trending in their direction. And uh, I've been very impressed. And to beat Newcastle, who are pretty tight at the back, 3-0, the goals have always been the problem, and the goals were free-flowing today. So I wanted to mention that. Uh, another just quick mention, Hodgson, hot seat, like deathbed almost. He's or yeah, I get he is getting up either there one is he's like eighty one like years old. Um, like, well, hopefully I have a long way to go. No, I mean, absolutely, Hodgson's not going anywhere. I mean, Crystal Palace. You don't tried think it. so? No, because they tried it with Patrick Vieira, uh, who is a good manager, and they didn't give him the time. And Roy always just seems to come back in and, and waddle along the sideline and, and make his you know presence known at 80 something. I think he's you know well up there. Um, it's just one of those things for me with Crystal Palace. They're one of those stuck in what they want to be type of teams, and they continue to be 14, you know, 13 to 15 year in, year out for that reason. Hear me out. Hear me out. Sam Allardici. <laughs> Allardici went from he went uh, Scottish to Italian. I did. So just hear me out there. That could be one of those shocks that they start really. I and mean, they got Liverpool, you know, this weekend. They're still, they're still clear though of the, ba- of the, you know, yeah. the bottom, which is yeah, why I, I just don't, I don't think. know. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, Nottingham, Nottingham Forest have been bad, you know, other teams. Yeah, he's on the hot seat. He's he definitely on the hot seat. seat. So we'll see. Yeah. We, we, yeah, so we hit on Cooper. I, I think he'll write the ship. He, they had a kind of a blip like this last year and they ended up being fine. So I do rate Cooper as a manager and I think he'll be okay. He doesn't have as many excuses as he did last year with, you know, 21 new players um, getting in. He has some continuity this year. So it'll be interesting to see. And last but not least, Vincent Company. I think they're going to stick with him, but his seat remains simmering, I'd say, as. They can only beat the teams that are really bad about them, and it's seeing like it's going to be another yo-yo year for Burnley. Um, so, as you know, we talk about managers who are on the hot seat. I'll tell you one that's not on the hot seat: Sarbrucken. Not only did they not be the name. fired, he's not the name. That's the team that he's talking that about. The folks. Team. Thank you, thank you. And I don't even have the the, uh, the gaffer's name, so that's my fault. But they did beat Byron in the Polka a couple weeks back, and they went ahead and beat another uh, top Bundesliga team in the Polk guys. So their dream continues, and you love to see it. You love to see it. And, uh, I mean, I'm sure that guy will, will get a pretty big raise. Um, you know, when it's I wonder all when they don't done. play at home, though. That's got to help them a little bit because they oh, played Byron at no home. No doubt. And Frankfurt at home in this one, they got to go on the road, right? They're the one of the worst teams in the tournament. I'm not really sure how seating works. I wish I could have brought that insight, but I'm not sure. But just wanted to give them a shout out as, you know, very impressive regardless. All the cup, always the cup, as our friends at Charlotte Soccer Show say. Um, just to quickly recap a couple other Polka games, Leverkusen, you know, they have a pretty, a pretty solid win. Um, again, I think they're going to be. That'll be their silverware probably is is the Polkai. And then we have Stugart absolutely owning Dortmund again. Saw that a couple weeks ago. Same shit, different day. Um, Garassi and Unda put up top again. So that'll be an interesting. I think Stugart and Leverkusen would be the, the ideal final that I'd like to see because um, both of those teams have kind of been a big surprise this season. Um, and 
let them duke it out for the the silverware, yeah. but there's still a long long ways. To yeah, go. and you know there'll be some funky team as as always in the cups. There's one that kind of spoils the party at the end. But uh, man, Bayer Leverkusen they don't lose. They don't lose yeah, this year. They do not. That is correct. And the jump to the the Copa del Rey, Girona. They also don't me. lose. Yeah, they don't. But stop me if you heard this again, or if I've you know just repeating myself. They they go down two 0 and then they end up winning five two. I I just don't understand how you do that. It's like all the time. It's not just once. It's not just twice. It's this is like five times the season where they've gone down either one or two goals and have ended up having a super convincing win. Christian Stuani scores again. Um, so his you know remontada, you could say, at thirty six years old is going splendidly. And then also wanted to hit on, you know, a little bit air to VC. We mentioned Ajax had a game to finish up. They are now in sixth place. So now it's going to be interesting if their race to get uh silver war, they do have a big hole that they dug. So they have a lot of points that they're going to have to make up. But I do think that with this current squad and how the manager is, is coaching them, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, like you said, it would be, it would be important if they got a, and it would be big if they somehow got some silverware out of this year. I don't know where they'd get it, but they could get it, and it would be interesting to see. I believe they got knocked out of the Eredivisie competition, but I honestly haven't paid too much attention to that, so I can't confidently say that. But speaking of another Eredivisie team, uh, PSV, Feyenoord, continue to win. So PSV looks like they're done and dusted, but Feyenoord will probably be a close second, and it'll be interesting to see if – Easy Alkmaar fits in that third, or in if Ajax can sneak into that fourth position, and you know maybe get some European football and save uh, their finances a little bit. Now, I so told we you, gonna, I told you, give them the trophy already after that fire. I know, game. I and you're right, you're right. You did say they were going to kill Feyenoord, which was I did, incorrect. I did, but they still take the trophy either way. That, that is true, that is true. And we're going to take a quick break here, and on the other side of the show, we'll have a bunch of predictions. We have there's pretty good slate this weekend as well as well as my best bets that have uh, started to heat up as of late um so we will get back just a reminder please follow the twitter at full-time roundup follow my co-host matthew at at life of Gesslin. follow me at liverpool cltfc please like rate download re-download and you know interact with us on twitter we'd love to hear from you and kind of we love any feedback or you know anything that we're not hitting that's on your radar please let us know so we'll get back with you in just a second and we're back this is the prediction side so gonna dive into around roughly 10 games that we're gonna predict how the outcomes happen then we'll hit the best bets so starting off the slate we mentioned villa with their big win against against manchester city you know 14 wins gunning for 15 wins and who do they have to gun for the gunners themselves this is going to be a really interesting game just to see if villa is actually like that and if they beat or get a draw from city and arsenal within two games boy are they going to be very happy um how do you think this match shakes out That'd be some week um, if they pull that off. Boy, 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 boy. 1-1. One, one. I say they get a point out of it. I do say they get a point. Um, David Raya will start. 
he'll make some type of blunder, whether that's an actual, you know, cost the goal or something that happens from the goal that happens from that. So yeah, give me one, one. Uh, but I do think Arsenal find a way to end the winning streak at Villa. This will, uh, this will be probably the game of the week, honestly, for me, at least. Uh, I think there'll be goals galore. I'm going to say 2-2. Two, two. Uh, I'm agree with you with the draw here. Arsenal, Villa, great form. Aston Villa, often emotional win. I think they do kind of come back to earth a little bit here with the draw. Next, Battle of the Mid, part one. Spurs, you know, banged up. Newcastle banged up. Both teams off a loss. How do you think this match shakes out? Spurs at home. This would be four in a row at home if they lose this one, which would be unheard of really for Spurs, especially given how long it's been since they lost three at home. I think Ange finds a way. Newcastle are really banged up right now. Um, they found a way early against a, a really poor Chelsea team. And then, you know, a, a, um, a team in the Champions League and PSG that we just never really knew what you expect. Um, but Spurs are solid. I think they, they're at home, like I said, 2-1 Spurs. I'm going to give the Spurs the edge here. I think Ange is a charismatic manager, and that's what's going to keep his team ticking, and they're going to have a nice bounce-back win here. So I'm going to go 3-2. I think there will be goals galore here as well. To kind of jump into Spain here, the Yellow Submarine versus Real Sociedad. Real Sociedad's still kind of gunning for a top-five spot here. How do you think this match shakes out? Real Real at home. Um both teams are in really good form right now, you know, winning three of the last five and, and not dropping to a loss in the last five. So good matchup here. The home, oh, it's at home though. I do agree with you. Real Sociedad are a really solid team. Um, one, one, I'll go another draw. God, eventually I'll have a win in this group, but I'm going to have two, one Real Sociedad with the edge. Um, I just, I do think, it could be an interesting, dramatic late finish, but I think Real Sociedad will see the game out. Um, another uh, interesting, really interesting game, probably the best game on the slate for the Spanish league, Barcelona, Girona. Who takes points from this? Definitely the biggest game of the week um, in La Liga. Barcelona need this one more than anything. Um, of course, they do get the big win against Atleti on the weekend and then uh, advance in the Champions League against Porto recently as well. So they're finding some form. We've talked about them and um, just kind of that way that Xavi has settled things down after a little bit of a shaky start after the injuries that caught up with them. Um, Girona, though, you talked about they, they go down and they continue to find ways. They can't do that against Barca. <sighs> But Barca does the same thing as the problem. That so, is true. They cancel out two wrongs. Yeah, make they a do, right. can't do. They don't make a right. Um, two nil Barca. I think uh, you saw Girona go up against Real Madrid and have a rude awakening in that matchup. I think you see the cream rise to the crop um, here, and and Barca gets the win. Both play very attractive styles of football, but I think you know after seeing how Real Madrid dealt with Girona, um, I think that Barcelona win rather comfortably with a 3-1 win. I think um, I think Louis gets a goal here by the way too just to point that out. He well. needs he needs a goal for sure. Um to jump over to the Bundesliga, probably the best match for me at least of of the Bundesliga slate. There are some good ones though. Stuttgart versus Leverkusen, two really hot teams, two great managers. How's this going to shake out? 
Uh, I'll give you the way I think it's going to shake out, and I'll also give you the importance of it. I think, I think this is a draw, and, and I think this is one of those matchups that we've talked about in the Bundesliga where the the squads beat each other up and and make it too easy for Bayern. I think they're yeah. both good squads, um, and it's no it's not a fault to Leverkusen by not losing. They'll still get a point here, but that would be two draws in a row. Um, and they start to to lose that separation with Byron that just seems to happen year in year out. But it's a good match. Um, Garassi will probably score. Uh, Grimaldo will probably get a ridiculous free kick goal as we've been talking about. So give me two two. I'll go two two. I'm gonna go one one. But I'll agree I thought about it for a second. Almost, yeah. I think one one. I think both defenses are pretty solid. So I don't think this will be. I don't know. I don't know. Actually, no, I take that back. I think that I think I actually I do think I don't know why I just said it won't be a goal scorer. I think there will be goals here um, with all that firepower. Oh, shit. I don't want to agree with you with, because it's boring, but I'm going to go 2 2 as well. Um, let's see choice. here. Barca, or it's not Barca, Jesus. Frankfurt versus Bayern. You know, is Bayern Frankfurt's been in good form? They did just lose to Saarbrücken. So. I don't know if that's going to motivate them or if it's going to, you know, mean anything here. But Bayern didn't play midweek, so they're going to be rested up here after not didn't play last weekend well. either. Yep, because so they're going to be. I, I, I think, you know, Bayern lay the wood here. And you can't see me, but I'm waving my hands at Daniel as if to move on from this one. This is three zero Bayern, very simply. Move on. Yeah. Yep. Okay, I like that. And then battle of mid part two, probably the biggest battle of mid I've seen. Dortmund Leipzig. What do you think? This I hate when you throw Dortmund on here because I never know what Dortmund I'm gonna get. You do well. This so is Leipzig. Leipzig is the same thing too. Same exact thing. Three two Leipzig. I have no oh. reason why. I just think three two. I know there's gonna be goals. Both teams can't defend worth a shit. And I think that that Leipzig and and Xavi Simmons finds a way to to give them the edge. Three two. Same score. Just reverse it. I think Dortmund. Wow. The yellow wall. Uh, wow, I didn't somehow, think about that. It's one of these. It's one of these games where you think Leipzig might win, and then as soon as you think Dortmund's going to lose, they're going to win. And whenever you favor Dortmund, they're going to lose. So I'm just going to reverse jinx myself and go ahead and pick Dortmund here to move to Serie A, Atalanta, AC Milan. Oh boy, Rafa Leal's a doubt, but they didn't really need him last week because Rebic has kind of jumped on the scene now. Um, or sorry, Luka Jovic. No, was he? I don't even know. But anyways, I'm going to say it's going to be a 1-1 draw. I love how you put the high-scoring games in uh, first. Syria uh, first for me because we'll get to – he always Daniel always finds a nap game for me. Uh, he didn't disappoint this weekend. At, Atalanta will score. Um, they have very good offensive players. We've talked about them before. AC Milan has a little too much, I think, 3-2 in this one as well. So AC Milan, 3-2. Wow. Yeah, Goal score here. Goal score. We are, we're both uh, loving it. So Juventus, big matchup against Napoli. Napoli's happy, you know, manager balance has kind of come to an end. Are they going to bounce back against, you know, this might be a nap game for you too, the way Al Allegri plays. But how do you think this one ends up? Yeah, I actually like Napoli in this one. Um, I'll take... 1-0 Napoli, even though, to your point, the bounce has ended, but there's still some good talent on that squad, and um, you never know what you're going to get from Allegri and Juventus, so give me 1-0. Yeah, Osman's back, which helps a lot. Um, He'll be I'm fired gonna up. Give, I'm going to give Napoli the edge here as well, just because 
Juventus just get a 1-0 lead and then just defend, and they can't do that against Napoli. I don't think that's going to work out for them well. So I'm going to say 2-1 Napoli. Uh, your nap game, we can hit this quick. Roma vs. Fiorentina. What do you think? 0-0 zero, zero, with a potential 1-0 win for Roma as Jose special. And there you go. You've had it. I will be sleeping for 98% of this matchup. It will be a Roma. I think like I could even see him getting sent off, you know, late. More than likely. Absolutely berating a referee. I'm gonna say one nil Roma. We love here. you, Josie. Never change. Never change. Never change. Except when you follow and you know, referees into inside and kind of harass them. That that's not cool. But all right, to switch back to, to France. Sorry, my Sophie was tweaking out. Um Monaco versus Ren. Probably the best, really the only game that interests me in the French league. Uh, Monaco are still kind of gunning for for Bayern, or sorry, geez, for PSG. Ren are kind of back in good form. Goals galore or a boring match for you? I think there's some goals here. I think Monaco needed, of course. If they don't get it, the league's pretty much over. In my opinion, it's priority over anyway. Um, but Ren are bad. Um, I know they've been playing better, but they're just not good this year. Monaco. 3-1. Uh, Florian Balogun gets a brace. Wow. I like that. I like a Balogun goal. I'm going to say 3-2. I think it's going to be a close one, but I think there will be a lot of goals. And for, you know, our home country here in the U.S., MLS final at Columbus Crew versus LAFC. How, like, what? It, what's your lean here, I guess? I don't know how Columbus is the higher seed here, to be honest, but... Um... Well, uh, it was because of the conference... Oh, Columbus was second, and I think LAFC fell to fell to third. I'll take I'll take LAFC. They're the standard of the league right now. Um, God damn it, uh, Matt! Why'd you do that? That's not cool. You let me go first. Uh, So yeah, LAFC is going to win their second consecutive MLS Cup. I do think it won't be as dramatic as last year's. As I don't know if anything can really top that. Uh, Two zero though, LAFC. Columbus though will surprise, but uh, I'm gonna say Columbus. I do have a feature on LAFC. I will probably have to hedge that now that. Oh, Matt I see now. I got it. Got not it. happy about that. Not cool. It's three to one. Had it all season. Not very happy with you right now. But speaking of betting, we are now into my favorite part of the show. My best bets. Just I'm gonna do a quick review for the last two weeks because I've been bad about recapping. I'm now 37, 26, and 9 in best bets. That's a 70% win rate. Pretty damn good if I don't say so myself. For parlays, 8 and 14, hitting at 57% clip. Not bad either when you consider it's a parlay. Plus 28.25 units, and we were up three units last week. I gave a couple plays um, midweek, so I'm going to recap those real quick. So last weekend, our parlay did not hit because of City. We had everyone we wanted other than City hit, so that was kind of a bummer. Um, and then, you know, City Spurs over three and a half cashed. Bayern, Dortmund over three and a half did not. That was a shame. Uh, Valencia, Girona, last second cash. Got to love it. Chelsea, Brighton over three was a, an easy cash. And then midweek, I had Chelsea, Man U over three, which was a push. Villa City over three, which Somehow did not go over, couldn't believe it. I mean, post, good chances. Both keepers had insane games. And then Marseille-Leon over two and a half was a cast. Thank you to Marseille for scoring all three of those goals. For this week, or weekend, excuse me, I do have a parlay. Um, 
Risk One Unit, Liverpool, Bayern, Inter, PSG, and Manchester City. I don't see how any of these teams lose, so I'm not really even really worried about it. For the best bets, Villa, Arsenal, over three here. Uh, I love this. This is probably one of my favorites here, um, so I don't even think. Enjoy the game of the week and also have money on the over, so when the goals fly, you'll be happy. Uh, over three and a half and PSG, not uh, PSG, I think are just going to have their way with not, not might get one because of, you know, the backup goalkeeper plus the defending situation. PSG is not ideal over three and a half city Luton city is going to be really pissed off in this match. And I think they, they have their way with Luton. Luton will probably get one goal just because it's Luton at home. Um, so I think this will be a no sweat, uh, Leverkusen for Stugart over three and a half. I liked your over prediction there. Hopefully it doesn't I w- it is your fault if if this one loses. 100% naturally. And over three and a half and then over three and a half Brightly Burnley. Burnley are atrocious defensively. Brian loves to score and Brian's defending situation. I don't know if you saw but they started a 18-year-old center mid at right back and they started Pascal Gross at left back. So that's just to sum up Brian's defensive situation right now. Not ideal. Um so we got what five straight bets, one parlay for you, kind of on a hot streak, 28 units for the season. So go ahead and close your eyes and take these bets and enjoy Saturday and Sunday. And uh, I don't think there'll be much sweating. I'm still waiting for my perfect sweep. It'd be really nice to sweep this week. I'd, I'd really appreciate these teams kind of stepping up here, but uh, don't worry. We all got it. And uh, can't wait to recap these on uh, Sunday slash Monday. Matt, as always, it's been a pleasure. Um, we end up watching games. I won't. I will show up this time. Um, and uh, hope you guys all have a great weekend and enjoy the games.